It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. Well, I start by going back to a case, though, that I covered over the years myself in the newsroom. And when it was the 30th anniversary came up a number of years ago, I spoke to one of the Gardaí who'd been involved. I speak of the case of Connor and Sheila Dwyer. He was 62. She was 61. They went missing from their home in Chapel Hill for Moy sometime after the 30th of April 1991. Not a trace of them has been found. They took no money. They took no travel documents. They seem to have taken no clothing. Their car has vanished and never a trace of it found since. Ralph Regal, Southern correspondent with the Irish Independent, who also lives and has lived for many years in that part of the world, joins me. Ralph, it is a mystery. You're reporting this week a German connection, but it is no secret that he worked for a German, German businessman. Good morning. No, it's not PJ. I mean, from the from the very beginning, I mean, Gardy looked at all different aspects of it. But I suppose what's really new in the story is the fact that they're they're going back and re-interviewing a lot of the people that were were interviewed back in 1991. And I think there's a particular focus on the whole German aspect of things, uh, where. Connor Dwyer had worked, any of the individuals in Castle Lions that may have any dealings with him, anybody that might have overheard something or anyone who could shed light on on Mr. Dwyer's demeanour in the days and weeks before he vanished. And I think the belief is that there may be something there that can inform the investigation. Now, of course, the problem is, I mean, all of this happened back in 1991 and all of the Gardaí that were involved in the original investigation are now retired. Um, An awful a lot of the key individuals who gave statements to the Gardaí back then are now deceased. Mm. So it's a very difficult um, and challenging investigation. But I think the Gardaí have had a lot of success over the last couple of years with their cold case reviews. Um, it, it certainly led to a number of breakthroughs. And I think what they're hoping for is that, you know, a fresh pair of eyes on the investigation file, going back and talking to people that maybe over the years something clarified, they might remember something that they did didn't talk about back in 1991 and that might point the investigation um, towards solving what actually happened to Connor and Sheila Dwyer. Of course, Connor was 62, Sheila was 61 and they had two children and of course they vanished with their Toyota Cressida car, white car, quite a distinctive model even mm. back in 1991. Mm. And when Gardy, of course, it's, it's worth pointing out that why this case has been so baffling 
is that when Gardy, that Connor and Sheila Dwyer were last seen on April the 30th as they were going to a requiem mass in St. Patrick's Church. Now, they lived in Chapel Hill, which is literally within the shadow of the main church in Fermoy, and they weren't seen since that date. Uh, eventually, the family, when they couldn't get in contact with them, and they were, became concerned, they alerted the Gardaí, and Gardaí went into the property just over two weeks later. There was no sign of forced entry. There was nothing missing. There was no luggage missing. There was no clothing missing. Um, all of their travel documents were there. Um Mm-hmm. The, all of their bank account details were there. There was even a biscuit tin with a, a significant sum of cash in it. Yeah. So nothing to indicate that there had been anything out of the ordinary. I remember reading over the years, Ralph, there wasn't even any evidence that they'd returned home after Mass. No, the, the, the Gardaí couldn't say that. There was post that was unopened. Um, the very fact that they found the biscuit tin with the quantity of cash, you know, would indicate that wherever they went, it wasn't planned. It wasn't mm-hmm. that they, they had brought traveling money with them or anything like that. And of course, what really got Gardy concerned is that there was never a trace of the car. They checked bus stations, rail stations, ports, all of those kind of things, but there was never a trace found mm-hmm. of the Toyota Cressida. Gardy even went to the lengths of contacting, you know, auto factors. Had anybody got second-hand parts from such a car had anybody got a crashed vehicle in that matched the description of it and there was absolutely no trace found and of course it's worth remembering that that back then Gardy operated under the handicap of the fact that they didn't have cctv mm-hmm. footage mm-hmm. and i mean cctv footage is such an incredibly um useful tool for investigators because it can push them beyond the last sightings of people in terms of individuals who might have seen them. They can actually get glimpses, they can trace the movements of individuals. Of course, we had a very high-profile murder case in Cork a couple of years ago, and, you know, it was incredible that because of CCTV footage, they were able to trace the movements of an individual literally at 90-second to two-minute intervals. Mm -hmm. The car itself, for people who wouldn't be familiar with it. It was it was a kind of a businessman's car. It was a good car. A Toyota Cressida was considered the car to be driven by a reasonably successful man. And it was white. White, yes, no white. It was a very nice car. It was very well kept. Um, the investigation back in, in 1991, one of the key individuals leading it was Sergeant Joe Watkins, who's now retired from from Garda Station. <clears throat> and he gave a very, uh, I mean, a, a really interesting description of Connor Dwyer. He actually knew Connor Dwyer personally. And he said he was a very dapper, very um, precise man. Everything that Connor Dwyer did was done to the nth degree. The car was always maintained in a pristine condition. And of course, it's worth remembering that he worked for a German businessman called Fritz Wolf, who was a multimillionaire and had a property in Castle Lyons. And one of the jobs that Mr. Dwyer did for him was that he looked after his cars. He had a fleet of luxury vehicles. So it was not unusual to see Connor um, driving around um, Fermoy in, you know, in, in high range Mercedes. Mm. I think there was even a Rolls Royce that was kept there. And those cars, like his own Toyota Cressida, were kept in absolutely mint condition. Is this officially being treated as a cold case investigation, Ralph? No, my understanding is that the file was always open and active and that this is essentially just a development in the case. I mean, privately, I was told that, look, it's a cold case and everything bar name, Mm. that they're going back, they're talking to the original 
uh, Gardaí that were involved in the investigation. They're looking at the original case file. They're seeing, can they talk to any of the witnesses that are still living locally? They're looking at this German connection just to see, is there any kind of an indicator or a clue? Was there something overlooked or perhaps the significance of something back in 1991 wasn't fully appreciated? Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what the investigation is dealing with at the moment. Locals were always, in my experience anyway, and having lived in the area, you'd probably know better than me, Ralph, locals always seemed a bit reticent to say anything when a 10th anniversary came up or a 20th anniversary came up. They never said much. They kind of said, no, don't mind about that now. Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons for that. And I think the main reason, PJ, is that I don't think they want to cause hurt to the family. Um, and of course, this was a very upsetting thing for the family. And I think people are, when people live locally and they know people, I think they're very concerned that they don't want any words of theirs to add to the obvious pain and suffering yeah. of the individuals involved. No, the passage of time may have eased that. I think people, you know, certainly there's no suggestion that people weren't forthcoming in terms of their assistance to the Gardaí, but I think they were just concerned mm -hmm. that any comments via the media wouldn't upset the family. Again, the, the Guardian are going to be talking to everybody who was spoken to back in 1991 and 92 to see can they get anything new in it to shed light on this. And of course, it's worth pointing out that, I mean, back in 1990, 1991, this wasn't just the only missing persons case in Fermoy. There was a very um, high profile missing persons case from the previous year in 1990 involving a local business businessman and counsellor called Bill Fennessy and, mm -hmm. and very much like the Dwyers he vanished without trace and the mystery over what happened to him was only solved about uh, 12 years ago when divers were conducting an exercise in the River Blackwater and just as they were about to finish the exercise one diver saw what he thought was the outline of a car in the riverbed. Now there had been very heavy flooding in the River Blackwater and part of the riverbed had actually been uncovered by the power of the floodwaters and when it was investigated it was found that the car was a Daihatsu charade which was precisely the type of car that Mr. Fennessy had been driving and a, a detailed examination of the car was conducted and sure enough he human remains were found in it and testing later confirmed that it actually was the remains of Mr. Fennessy. It'll be very interesting to see what happens throughout the course of the next few months with regard to this one. Ralph, reading about another case that you and I have discussed as you covered it over the last uh, 12 months, the case of uh, Molly Martins in particular, due out of prison now on June 27th in North Carolina, but she had a couple of, shall we say, breaches of prison discipline while she's, and they have been wiped from her record. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what everybody wants to know, PJ, in terms of what is going on. I mean, there was there was really dramatic developments in the case uh, last month. Of course, um, Tom and and Molly Martin's father and daughter um, had reached a plea bargain deal with prosecutors in North Carolina. They were due to face retrial on the second degree murder charge of uh, killing a Limerick businessman and father of two, Jason Corbett, on August the 2nd, 2015. But then quite dramatically, at the end of October, they'd reached a plea bargain deal with prosecutors. So they pleaded guilty to Mr. Corbett's voluntary manslaughter, which meant that the, the state dropped the second-degree murder trial. And at a sentencing hearing, which reached its climax on, on November the 8th, uh, they were sentenced to a further seven months 
in in prison. Now, they had already served three years and eight months of their second degree murder conviction from 2017 before that was overturned by the North Carolina Supreme Court. And uh, Judge David Hall added effectively just another seven months Mm -hmm. to that sentence. There was a huge um, outcry last month when it emerged that they were due for release on December the 6th and December the 7th. The family here in Ireland were absolutely appalled. A lot of justice campaigners in the United States were appalled and were making the point that why give someone seven months extra in custody when they're only going to serve a matter of weeks. It later transpired that that was a mistake. There was some calculation error made by the parole board in North Carolina and it was later clarified and confirmed that the father and daughter will serve um, until June the 27th behind bars. But what's extraordinary and very much the point that you've made is that they're being given full credit for the time that they've already served in custody in North Carolina in, in both their cases. That's three years and eight months. And yet, despite the fact that that Time behind bars will count towards their sentences. Molly Martin's infractions behind bars won't count. And if you go on to the North Carolina Department of Corrections website, you'll see that Molly Martin's no longer has any prison rules breaches recorded against her. And of course, during her original three years and eight months in custody, she was cited five Mm -hmm. separate times Mm -hmm. for breaches of prison rules, ranging from refusing to uh, follow the orders of a prison officer uh, going into an unpermitted zone of the prison and in another case uh, being in possession of a non-lethal contraband. It, it, it begs the question, and of course one could be accused, Ralph, of watching too much television, but it does beg the question, was her prison record put on the table as part of a deal? Yeah, that's a very good, very good point, PJ. And it certainly does um, indicate that for the last couple of weeks, everything that could possibly be done for Tom and Molly Martins has been done for Tom and Molly Martins. Um, a lot of neutral observers would have considered that the sentencing hearing was in many ways um, effectively a character assassination um, of Jason Corbett, the man that was beaten to death mm-hmm. with a, a metal baseball bat and a concrete paving slab. Uh, the state, by dropping the second degree murder um, charge had agreed that they would only present evidence that was agreed with the defence. So there was nothing whatsoever Mm -hmm. put before Judge David Hall as regards possible uh, premeditation. So, for instance, there was nothing put into evidence about the fact that there had been an attempt to drug Mr. Corbett. There was nothing put into evidence about the fact that uh, Tom and Molly Martins had delayed ringing 911 to ensure that he was dead. There was nothing put into evidence about the fact that he was beaten even after he was dead or um, the fact that inexplicably Mr. Corbett's will had been changed a couple of months before his death uh, to exclude his two children from benefit and to leave the entire amount of the life insurance policy to Molly Martins. And lastly, Ralph, and um, forgive me if I'm asking you to speculate, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this myself. Tom Martins was a uh, a decorated former FBI agent. One is driven to the conclusion that he was owed some favours. Yeah, and I think it's also worth pointing out he wasn't just a a 30-year veteran of the the FBI. He also worked as a counterintelligence operative for the Department of Intelligence. And his service to the United States was very much put front and centre during the sentencing hearing uh, in November uh, to the point where Judge Hall um, actually 
acknowledged um, his service. And in the United States, as, as anyone listening to this who's been to the States will know, there's a lot of importance attached to people that have served mm-hmm. in the military. Mm-hmm. And a common phrase in the States is, thank you for thank your you service. service. Yeah. So, and, you know, military personnel will always be allowed board planes first. They get special discounts at various types of shops. And when Judge Hall was about to impose sentence, he noted in open court that he considered Mr. Martin's service in the FBI and as a counterintelligence operative with the Department of Energy to be akin to having served in the United States military and defending the nation. All right. Ralph. We can speculate forever. We'll probably never know what really happened. But thank you so much. Ralph Regal, Southern Correspondent, the Irish Independent. Good to have you back on the programme. Corks 96 FM.